Welcome to SKU Talks. We are your one-stop shop for all things e-commerce. While I tend to skew towards Amazon, no pun intended, our guests come from all sorts of professional backgrounds, and I'd like to think there's something in here for everyone. Thanks for joining. All right, I'm here today with Todd Sullivan. Todd and I have been talking on and off here for a bit. He's a bit of a unique one here for us. His Todd is on the acquisition and exit side of things. So I'll stop talking for you and I'll let you introduce yourself. But I, I think there's a lot of immediate value here for anybody that's even thought about considering an, an exit at any point, especially obviously as folks we usually work with here in the e-commerce space. So Todd, I'll, I'll hand it to you from here. Sam, thanks for having me on. Uh, I appreciate the intro. I think of you know the exit, and I can talk to you why we ended up, you know, focusing in this area. Um, but any entrepreneur, right, that is starting a business has to be thinking about that liquidity liquidity event. You know, it's nice to have yep. a job that you control and flexibility. Um, but ultimately, particularly if you take outside capital, you've got to be thinking about how do you return capital to yeah. your investors. Totally. And you, and every founder should think of themselves as an investor, right? Your time is so valuable. So, um, I, you know, I, I've been an entrepreneur for 25 years, uh, mostly in tech. I've built four companies. Uh, the last three were funded by big venture capital firms. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had a very good entrepreneurial run. In my last exit, I was able to sell all four businesses. And the last one I sold in 2015 wow. I just decided I got to give back to my fellow founders. And I don't know, I think it's one of those things you never know what you were really kind of great at. You were kind of, I was good at a lot of things, wearing a lot of hats like many entrepreneurs yeah. are, and certainly had a lot of weaknesses. I wasn't great at, at the scale game or hiring lots of people. But when, when I started talking to my friends, I kept hearing over and over and over that, hey, I just wasted $50,000 hiring an investment bank to help sell my business and they failed. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's that's strange. Why did that happen, right? And you dig into that story and it turns out that that's the norm. Um, it's not an anomaly. That happens 70% of the time. For our fellow really? founders, you are wasting six months of your life and uh, you know, twenty-five dollars to $50,000, which is far less important than the six months of your life trying to sell your business because right. you're not growing it at that point. Yeah. And so I, I was like, you know what, I, I, I was investing in businesses and I didn't think oh, that was being very helpful. It certainly wasn't scalable. I think I have like 13, 14 portfolio companies. I'm zero help to them. And I just figured I got to help. I got to give back. And this exit kept coming up over and over and over. Yep. So I just said, all right, we're going to educate our fellow founders on what the M&A process is like, what to do, what not to do. And let's kind of put the ammunition back in the founder's hands and not in the buyer's hands, not in the banker's hands. And uh, let's really try to improve on that success rate. And what we've been able to do that substantially, we have zero failures. We sell businesses wow. 30% above market. You and I were just talking about one that's selling yeah. 300 times what we initially thought the business was worth. And so there is a there is a, a real process to doing this and doing it well, and that's what we're we're bringing to the table today. Yeah, I feel like that this is definitely one of those areas. I mean, I've experienced a little bit of this as well, where you don't know what you don't know until you've tried it a few times. Like for you, having sold four companies, like the amount of things that you learned during that process. I mean, and and it's awesome you're able to give back in that way. It's just even in the the light research that I've done into the acquisition space or somebody will message me about delivered media 
And, you know, if I've ever thought about an exit and while it's not really something I'm considering right now, it's all, I'm always interested to be like, what are these companies actually looking at? Mm -hmm. Like for me, I see the way that I want to run my business and the way that I feel I can help it to grow. But then I hear about what companies are looking for in an acquisition. And a lot of it was completely the opposite of the way that I felt I could best grow my business. Mm -hmm. And I would never have known that had I not just had these conversations with people. So it's, it's just a whole different ballgame. There's really no way to fully prepare yourself for it. So having somebody on your team that knows what they're doing is able to make those connections and is able to advise you on the best way to, to go about it is incredibly valuable because especially if you look at e-commerce brands, like these people put so much time into building their brand. They're great at marketing, great at branding, and whether or not they knew supply chain going into building their business, who knows? They had to learn a hundred different things, mm -hmm. but the world of M&A is just, it's so different and it, it's very tough to learn on the fly. So having somebody again in your corner that really knows their way around is, is incredibly valuable. Um, so as far as, uh, as this space goes, what, what do you think would be the quickest thing that's been universally or relatively true across the board advice that you would give to a founder in the e-commerce space who's tr starting to consider an exit? Yep. Uh, you brought up a lot of stuff there, uh, Sam, <laughs> and it makes me, well, it makes me think that what I've learned doing M&A now for six years, the, the industry expert investment banker who knows your space and let's we're talking e-commerce today, right? Yeah. We have a dozen guys and women that focus entirely on different facets of e-commerce, whether it's the agencies or it's D to C or it's, uh, you know, the e-commerce social commerce engines, they, it gets yeah. very, very specific in the talent that, investment bankers have when i say talent it's the relationships they have with buyers it's the understanding of what creates value what buyers really want right. and and the way you just described it it's almost too late to be building your business and then thinking okay i'm ready to sell and yeah. not knowing what's of value to buyers what is a value in yeah. m&a and so um i will get i'm going to answer your question uh but but what i would first say is that Every founder really should think about having an advisor who is selling companies like theirs on their board yeah. two years before they do it. Because right now you can go on our website and you can play with our valuation calculator. And yes, it will tell you the value of your business, the approximate value of your business. But more importantly, it's telling you what is driving value. And when you yeah. start to see that oh my gosh, I'm reliant on those two customers. And yeah, they're super profitable, but that's an enormous risk for a buyer yep. in the future. What if I lose one of those customers? Does half the business yep. go away? And so it helps you think through the value of your business and create moats. Um, it, it's just very strategic. I encourage people to try that. And this is not a promotion for that tool. Yeah, exactly. You know? just, yeah. just to think, think about the, re the true value of your business. To answer your question, the number one thing, and I, I'm gonna go to a sports analogy, and I'm, I'm a hockey guy, actually, in my Perfect. hockey locker room at the moment. It, it, it is about, do you want to win the Stanley Cup? And the way to win the Stanley Cup is put Sidney Crosby, put Alex Ovechkin, put uh, Vasilevsky, bring Gretzky out of retirement, bring the, the, the specialists, the best in the world, you put them on your team, that gives you the best chance of winning the Stanley Cup. Now, if you just yeah. you know played the regular season, you want to go into the playoffs, see what happens and roll the dice and see what you can do yourself. 
you and I have talked about this. Plenty of entrepreneurs do that. And that is the human yep. behavior. We, we, we want to pinch pennies. Probably. Yeah. Exactly. We want to pinch pennies, uh, pennies. And we think because we think, hey, we built this amazing business. We should be able to sell it. I built four great businesses and my exits until the last one, I left so much money on the table. I was just making yeah. mistake after mistake after mistake. And so I am the, the biggest piece of advice, whether you come to exit wise to try to find that, that all-star M&A team or you do it yourself, find an industry expert investment banker. And I'm not talking about, oh, we focus on healthcare. I'm talking about digital health, mental health, dig really deep into B2B in hospital systems because there is a banker that really understands the value of those businesses, who they're valuable yep. for, and knows how to present them really effectively to individual buyers. And that is what gets you the highest outcome and de-risks failure. Totally. So that number one, by far, that's it. And and you can do it in e-commerce and there's lots, like I said, facets of e-commerce. I think we have seven investment bankers on our platform that we go to for different facets of e-commerce in different sizes. Do not work with a firm that is selling $500 million and up businesses. Do not give them your money if you are a $50 million business because you will get not the B team, you will get the C team. They will yeah, be training their new employees on your deal because it just doesn't mean enough for the firm. So that it, is really interesting too, because that's that's true across a lot of different spaces. And like yep. what I've seen in the agency space, I guess just speaking from my experience, you see something similar where if the majority of a portfolio of brands in a portfolio for an agency are all really big mm -hmm. and they're a bigger agency, let's say they have 50 plus people, you're a smaller brand and you heard about them and you're really impressed by the big names on their PowerPoint, right? Like they work yep. with the Unilevers of the world and these hundreds of millions of dollars in businesses and you're a small one, but you want to be big like those ones. You go to work with that agency and you're getting the recent grad, new hire, most likely because they allocate their best performers to their biggest spending top earning accounts. And if you see that's interesting, it almost works. It works backwards where it's like, this is such an impressive brand, but like, you're not going to get that level of service if you're a 100 the size of that brand. So that's really interesting. Yep. That's, that's dead on the, the top performers go, they work on the top deals. It doesn't mean they won't be on the sales call to impress you, to get you in the right. door but they've got to feed the mouths of the junior people and they do that with retainers and yeah. you know the the smaller successes are less interesting than than the big ones so it really is about choosing the right firm with the right expertise and that's what we do all day it's not and and again i i'm i'm trying to simplify it in calling it the investment banker it's the M&A attorney. You're not choosing your family attorney to run this process that is that's yeah. even more catastrophic um, I'm yep. seeing more today doing quality of earnings puts you at the top of the stack of what buyers are looking at. They might be looking at a hundred opportunities that month and you want to sit at the top doing a sell side quality of earnings puts you at the top. There are these little things that you can do, not only building your team, but getting the right advice from your team in how to position yourself for the best possible outcome. I can't, cannot understate that enough. I wish I had had that advice, you know, two exits ago. Um, it would have made a world of difference. Totally. That's super helpful. Yeah. yeah. The specialists. I mean, I, it's funny because I mean, the, the lawyer thing is a really good point as well. I mean, mm -hmm. it's really important. I mean, there are so many 
nuanced, specific parts of selling a business because I mean, it's, it's a huge decision for both the buyer and the seller yep. that there are very specific things I think that both sides need to look into and knowing somebody or working with somebody that ultimately understands your specific niche within, you know, not just e-commerce, but within your category, somebody that's been there and done it before, they know what they look for. That's incredibly important. So Sam, that's, I, that, that's a great point. I don't think uh, we don't have to have um, M&A attorneys that are as specific as what you are and I'm right. talking about. But when we sell an industrial business, we, like we just sold a flooring company. We yep. don't use an M&A attorney that focuses on software, but we just sold uh, last e-commerce company, Fathead. I don't know if you've heard of fathead.com. Right? They had a Super Bowl commercial. Yep. We, we sold it last month. And, and yes, we brought in an M&A attorney that really understands e-commerce, but they can do a lot of software. They can do SaaS. They understand right. the battles to fight and the ones to walk away from to get a deal done. That's huge. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. It's your hours. So I think um, you know there there are other elements to that team. We bring in wealth management, and we bring in tax accounting. I think both of those two, when founders try to think about, you know, what is going to end up in my pocket someday, um, tax is really important, and knowing your yep. number is super important. Wealth managers for free will help you try to determine what are you going to do with this nest egg. Do you want to put kids through college? Do you want a ski house? Are you just trying to co cover the bare necessities until you buy the next business? Whatever you're thinking about, you want to think about your life after the sale and know yeah. that the number that you are going after uh, achieves those goals. And by the way, when you have that number, now you know what offers you can say yes to, what offers you say no to, and you also create alignment with your investment banker. Do not show me right. offers that don't achieve these goals. So um, I think the overall theme is you got to go into this so eyes wide open and having never done it again, I do think it is a mistake to do it yourself. Um, yeah. But I will tell you that we have had some great exits where founders said, look, I'm trying to do it myself. I'm very close to the goal line, but I am lost. Can you help? And we have stepped in. Um, I remember we turned a $5 million offer into a $70 million outcome in that situation. Yeah. So I think inbound offers are a totally different game. When a founder receives you know, an offer from a viable buyer, you want to understand that is that real? And you want to make sure that you bring in an intermediary to create a little distance between the group that wants to buy you and yourself. So you, yeah. you, you, you always keep that kind of founder on a pedestal as opposed to the guy that's fighting for pennies. Lots of reasons to do this. I, I know I'm. I know I'm kind of rambling for you, but you know. No, I, this you know, is all. This is super helpful. I mean, I, I've had this thought a lot, and I mean, it's. I see the thing that would worry me is somebody that you know is very clearly not super educated in this you know line of work in general. Is that if a, a potential buyer is coming directly to you, or you're going um, and finding a buyer directly, and there's no intermediary, often they'll know that this person probably is not super educated in the M&A space, right? And not everyone's going to take advantage of that, but some people absolutely might. And if you have some sort of intermediary who's working with you, who's an expert in the space, I think there just has to be a lot more transparency. Like offers have to be a lot more fair because this person knows what's a good offer and what isn't for this business when the business owner themselves might not know. And they either won't recognize a good offer when it's staring them in the face, or 
they'll take what ultimately wasn't a good offer when they could have gotten way more just because they don't know exactly how to realistically evaluate their own business. I think it's a really good point, Sam, but I think you're you're scratching the surface. So let me give you yeah. kind of two examples, right? An offer comes in and it's a really good offer. And by all accounts, right? Whether you brought competition or not, it's the offer that you want, you take it. And you go into due diligence. And this particular buyer, their game plan, and they've played this game over and over and over, they know they're going to attract you with a big number. And then they're going to put a ton of terms on it and find all of these red flags, which they always do in due diligence. And now your offer comes down and down and down. And soon it's seller financing and you got to stay here for five years. And this gets to be um, just an emotional roller coaster. And you, you totally. thought you had a great deal. You're but so this, excited. And then this is the game. Walking plan. its way down. So yeah. I w- what I would tell you is in that situation, an investment banker, they will know that buyer and they will say, no, we're not allowing you into the process because we know your game. Right. And yeah. we've had to do that. We've kicked buyers out yeah. because we knew what they would done. We've we faced one um actually very recently at one a couple of years ago. And it's hard to say no to a big offer, but when you know what the, the game is, that's what it is. The Not other real. thing is um it, there is there's a sense of is this uh offer fair, but are you actually gonna be able to transact? And when you don't introduce competition into a deal, you turn the timeline of when this deal gets done, you turn it over to the buyer. What yeah, an investment feel like it. what what a great investment banker can do, and I've seen this over and over and over. And I watch the faces on Zoom, and it's just amazing. You, the right banker comes on and he calls the buyer out by first name, says, Charlie, great to see you. I'm glad our last deal went so well. I hope this deal goes as well. Because you know, in the next 15 minutes, if I'm not happy, who I have to call. And it's that right. threat of instant competition. Because that buyer knows, that banker knows all his competitors. And just that keeps things honest. And then it drives a timeline and it drives a a value that is fair. So again, it all comes back to industry expertise. Just tell your audience, man, pair up with the best industry expert you can. A hundred percent. That's, that's super, that's a great point because yeah, I mean, if it's an individual, like we were talking about earlier where they they prefer one-to-one transactions just to limit the amount of cooks in the kitchen and ultimately make sure they get the biggest slice of the pie without having to, you know, share pieces of it out. Mm-hmm. But when it is that direct one-to-one connection, it, it really does not create any sense of urgency as far as timeline or as far as the size of an offer to a potential buyer who either knows they have no competition or if they do, they're probably pretty unaware of it and you ultimately get less money on a slower timeline often Mm -hmm. without that sense of urgency being, I guess, forced on someone. That's a really good point. Let me give you one other piece of insight for people to think about because we're, we're facing it right now and it doesn't happen, happen often, but this is the insight you get. An investment banker says to one of our clients, I know who has to buy you. And I know this because they lost out on trying to buy two companies just like you. And their investment committee will not let it happen again. This is an almost name your price situation. Who has that insight? It's the bankers that are working in that industry day in and day out. And we have that situation and we have three times (laughs) this, the original offer because of it. And that is not an unusual 
uh, um, situation that that offers can go up that substantially because of the knowledge of the industry and the specific buyer. Yeah. And you're never going to have that yourself as a founder. You're just not going nope. to know. You're you're doing too many things. Uh, you need to leave it to somebody who's in the trenches with us 24/7. And that's yeah. that's one of the biggest things. I feel like this is just another instance of a lesson ultimately the founders need to learn that they've probably learned several other times in different ways mm -hmm. where at a certain point you can't do everything yourself. You need to bring someone in to take this off your plate that does this day in and day out. And you need to delegate. And a lot of the time, it's your baby. You don't want to delegate. It starts with small things like marketing tasks, design work. But then ultimately, when it comes to selling your business, it's it's the same thing. You need to bring in an expert because you can't do everything at once and do it all well. Todd, this has been awesome. I know we just have a couple minutes left here. Sure, so sure. I want to give you the chance to, if anybody wants to get into contact with you, I know you mentioned your website, but what would be the best way to reach out to you? Well, Todd at ExitWise.com, email address, so feel free uh, to reach out. Certainly, the website is ExitWise.com. Um, we, we really are about education, right? So our podcast is called Cashing Out, if you want to look that up. And all we do is talk to founders who have built and sold businesses, and it's about that M&A process, the things they awesome. wish they did differently, the things they did um, really well. And and you Learned know what? One other mistakes. Yeah, yeah, and one of the reasons, Sam, I was excited to do this one. Right, my last exit was an e-commerce exit. I built the company SpiritShop.com, a school yep. store for every high school in the United States, and built a licensing program a lot around that. And um, you know, so I understand that category, and so your clients would probably get me on their M and A team. Awesome, um, and I thought that that would be worth it. We, we have, you know, industry experts that sit, um, you know, at exit wise, whether it's, you know, healthcare or e-commerce, right. We kind of cover the gamut, light industrial, um, you know, lots of different over 200 industries, frankly, but e-commerce e is kind of, uh, near and dear to my heart. Love it. That's yeah. awesome. Todd, you're the man. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I'll actually probably be sending some intros your way here pretty soon, but, um, as always great talking to you. Thanks, Sam. I really appreciate it.